Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But here we read about a young lady who was pulled before Jesus, and they were trying to stump Jesus. It was really more about Jesus than it was anybody else. That's what it was about. And it says in the scripture that we're about to read that they might find charge, that they may charge him. And I know in my life, sometimes I get so busy charging myself. Matt, you can't do it. It's gonna be the same as next year or last year. Here we go again. Are you really gonna set these goals before you? You didn't do it last year. Can you really do it this year? We all say negative things to ourselves like that. Then sometimes we get so caught up in people that we're around and we start finding charge or faults in them, amen? And what we do is we miss the focus completely. And today we're gonna learn about these Jewish leaders who missed it completely because they were trying to find charge. So my goal today is simple. Let's not worry about charging other people with their faults. Let's not worry about just looking at what we cannot do, but instead let's get energized, let's get rejuvenated and say, listen, 2020, here I come and I'm gonna charge it with everything I got because God has got a plan for me in 2020. This is not gonna be a a redo of last year. This is not gonna be the same things over and over. But what I'm gonna do is listen to my God and let him direct me. And then as I get what he says, I'm gonna attack it, amen? That's our goal this morning. I hope you guys are energized. Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So I'm excited this morning. It's good. It's a time to start a fresh new year, right? Two or three days away from that. It's more than just eating black-eyed peas. Does anybody still eat black-eyed peas for, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know, my wife taught me you could actually have black-eyed peas as a meal. I didn't mix in a little bit of cornbread. Yeah, I'm in heaven. I didn't know that. I never did that. It was always just beans and cornbread. Black eyed peas are beans. You, the things you learn, the things you learn, okay? Hey, a young executive is driving his new Jaguar down Main Street. Oh, and he's worked really hard for it, saved up money, got the promotion, invested it into his car. He's got the suit to prove it, and he knows he's going too fast, but it's his chance to show off. He's driving down Main Street, and he hears thud. He gets out and finds a brick is smashed in the corner of his car. He finds the boy on the side who does it. He goes up to that young man, grabs him by the shirt collar, looks at him and says, do you know how much money you've cost me? The young boy looks at him, tears running down his face. He goes, sir, I'm so sorry, you you don't understand. I've tried to get people's attention and this is the only way that it could happen. See, my brother's in a wheelchair and he fell off the curb and I'm not strong enough to pick him up. About that time, that executive looks at that young boy and tears begin to fill his eyes and run down his cheeks and he sets the boy down. He says, how can I help? Before he knows it, that young executive's over there helping the boy up out of the wheelchair. Young executive walks back to his Jaguar, looks at it, and he chooses to never fix it. He chooses to use it as a piece to remember that I do not need to go through life so fast that somebody has to throw a brick at me to get my attention that maybe I need to stop and see what's going on around me. And if we're not careful, Thanksgiving, Christmas, here we are again, making new resolutions, challenges, changes in our lives. And it can very easily say, oh, I already did this. I've already been through this. I've got family, I've got this, I've got that. 
as opposed to taking a deep breath, getting in our quiet spot and saying, God, what would, you, what would this 2020 look like for me, for my family, for myself? What things do you want me to accomplish? But we have to be ready because change causes pain, causes us to be uncomfortable, right? About two months ago, I had a kidney stone. Has anybody ever had a kidney stone? Yeah, it, I thought I was gonna die. I'm not gonna lie. I was headed down Fifth Street, I left Bray, headed down Fifth Street. Everything was okay. My back was hurting pretty bad, but I thought maybe I just injured it, no problem. Man, it all hit me about midway through Fifth Street. I rolled into the Chisholm uh, uh, grocery store there on Play-Doh and Fifth Street, and I just, I throw the cell phone. I'm taking my daughter to a dentist appointment. I would give her the cell phone. I'm just like, just call mom, call somebody. My daughter's freaking out, dude. I don't, I don't even care. Like, I'm, I'm parked. I'm like calling people, you know. I'm trying to, I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but don't call an ambulance because that's expensive, you know. I'm like, the hospital's only a couple blocks. We can make it. We can make it, you know. So, <laughs> so my daughter's freaking out. And we finally get to the emergency room. And I walk in, and they, I guess there's a kidney stone dance. I don't know what it is. But there's a, there's a dance. And they say, yeah, I, I, we haven't diagnosed you yet. We're pretty sure you got a kidney stone. I said, well, let's do what we need to do. <laughs> you know? So, but through that experience, through that great pain, one of the things that I began to realize is the pain caused me to be blind. I couldn't see anything else. Not physically blind, but I couldn't see past the pain. And I needed some things. I needed, I needed some friends to come help me. BJ, my grandfather, not really my grandfather, but kind of my grandfather, he's my wife's grandfather, but I've adopted him. I don't know how he feels about that, but. <laughs> he took Callie to the dentist appointment, and then my wife took me from where we were at at the convenience store to the hospital. I needed help. We got into the hospital, and they gave me the right amount of drugs and all this other stuff, and that was so amazing, dude. Man, <laughs> I'm telling you guys. I hardly ever take like Advil, right? Man, I don't know what they gave me, but. Can I have two? No, I'm just playing. I just, it's wonderful. But Ronnie comes in and he's trying to, he comes up to the counter and I'm, I'm hunched over this counter, man. These poor ladies at the front, they're probably saying, I hope this guy didn't throw up everywhere, you know, but I'm hunched over and, and he comes up and just lays his hand on my back. And I don't know if it was the spirit, but I do know his hand was warm and it made my back feel really good. Could have been the Lord, could have just been me happy to have a friend. I don't know. I'm not gonna act like it's too spiritual, but he begins to pray for me. I do know that, because he told me later. Things kind of settled down. He looks at me, he said, Matt, he said, you know that face chart where it's pain from one to 10? He goes, dude, your face was like a 20. <laughs> Thanks, Ronnie, I appreciate that. My wife later on, she said, this was you, Matt. Oh, oh, it hurts so bad. Oh, I'm sorry, guys, you had to come, but thank you. Oh, it hurts, it hurts. And I'm pacing the floor back and forth like that. My wife is making fun of me. She finds humor in it. But that's what I also found out. As we're about to go through these changes, as we're about to make resolutions and challenges and accept them, pain's gonna happen and find some humor. Matter of fact, it's what my wife told me. She said, Matt, we're gonna name it. Yeah, so it just gets better. Yeah, and I have permission to tell the story, but she said, we're gonna name it. First of all, it almost cost as much as a kid. Yeah. Number two, she said, we're gonna, since you had a kid, you know, we're gonna name it Knee Stone. So your, your kid's name is Kidney Stone? Yeah. 
I'll give you a minute, give you a minute. So I have a kid named Nee Stone that came from my kidney. Pretty funny. But what I found, some of you guys are like, that's not very amusing. Trust me, it wasn't to me at the time either. But what I did find out is through that pain, I needed a little bit of humor. I needed some friends, I needed some help. Listen, in 2020, if we're gonna be everything that God has ordained us to be for that year, there's gonna be some challenges. Life comes at you fast. I was gonna tell, show a little photograph of my daughter and I chose not to, but I was gonna show a little photograph of my daughter. She's holding my new nephew and her face is smiling and the baby's smiling and she's so happy. And then the next picture, she has her hand over her nose <laughs> going, because babies do what babies do and mess their diaper. And I was thinking, what a wonderful picture of life. Yeah. Woohoo! it's good. The next minute I'm holding my nose because something really, really stinky just happened and I'm trying to make my way through it. In 2020, unfortunately, we know that it'll throw stuff at you. But we also know there's challenges that God wants us to grab a hold of. There's things that he wants to do in our lives that it's gonna take work and effort. It's gonna take some grinding. And grinding doesn't mean sitting on the couch eating Cheetos, you know what I mean? The grind, we gotta go out there in the world and get, get it. Allow God's spirit to give us favor, to open up doors, to shake hands, to hug nets, to meet people, to do these type of things. And then allow God to take care of the rest. This morning I wanna talk about this story in Luke 8. I think, I think we'll read the whole thing. So go ahead and turn to Luke 8 if you would. Luke, or excuse me, not Luke 8, John chapter 8. John, I don't know where I got Luke from. John chapter 8. As you're turning there, I'll fill you in. Up to now, Jesus arrives midway through the feast. They have three feasts. This is one of the three. It's called the Feast of the Tabernacle. The point of this was to remember their ancestors in the wilderness who would go and wander around and they'd have to set up tents, live in them, break them down, move to the next spot. At this particular feast, they were remembering that. So there's celebration, there's food, they're, they're saying, thank you God from where you've taken us to what you're doing now. And Jesus arrives in the middle of it. And the reason why he arrives in the middle of it, not the beginning, it's not because he's trying to be disobedient. His time has not yet come to really reveal who he is. Matter of fact, earlier in John, he talks to his brothers and his brother says, well, if you're really Jesus like you say you are, won't you go down at the very beginning of the feast, do a miracle so everybody knows who you are. And he says in the right spirit, he says, y'all go down ahead of me. My time has not yet come and I'll be there shortly. Isn't it amazing how Jesus just always has the right spirit? I don't know if I would have that kind of spirit, especially if I had that kind of power. Let me show you something, okay? Still work, God's still working on me. To, yeah, you know, some of you guys know that song, okay? Some of you guys, what are you talking about? But he's at this feast, he shows up halfway through. People wanna kill him, people wanna arrest him. People have showed up because they've heard of this guy and they wanna know who he is and what he does. And we find that out in the very beginning because in the very beginning it says that all the people came to hear him teach. Matter of fact, let's pick up there in scripture. Let's go ahead and read. We're just gonna read one through 11. Interestingly enough, in John chapter seven, 53, it says, they each went to their own house. So all these people had conspired to kill Christ. To, to arrest him, to do what they needed to do, but his time hadn't yet come yet. And all those guys went to home, and it says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. 
The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. Placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in an act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the ground. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no, Lord. No one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Father, you are amazing in all that you do. Help us to be inspired, encouraged today, God. You've got wonderful plans for us. Let us grab a hold of it by the horn, so to speak. You're our God. Let our hearts be open to that direction. Everybody says, amen. amen. Very familiar story here. Here we are in verse one and verse two. The reason why it says that Jesus went to the Mount of Olives because in Matthew chapter eight and Luke nine, remember it talks about how foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to rest or lay his head. That's the reason why he went to the Mount of Olives because he didn't have a home. He gave up his heavenly home to come down here and dwell among his people. Verse two, early in the morning, he sat down and began to teach them. You know, I grew up in some ways feeling the compulsion if I didn't wake up every morning early and pray and read, then I wasn't very holy. And then I began to study Jesus. And Jesus prayed in the morning, he prayed at noontime, and he prayed in the evening. And I think the gem that we can pull from that is it doesn't matter when you do it, do it. This morning, he had taught, he, 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 matter of fact, it didn't say he arose early and went to pray, it said he arose early and went. To teach, amen. This young lady is there amongst them. Now, before I've read this scripture, and I assumed that maybe they caught this woman in adultery right then, but the scripture says everyone came to the temple to learn. So it could be very easily that this woman had already been caught in this act, and they pulled her from the crowd and drug her out in front of Jesus. And that's when they began to indict her. And it wasn't so much about her as much as it was trying to bring charge against Jesus. See, here we see a unique, not really unique, but we see a, 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 we see a storyline here. Because here are the leaders of the Jews. Here are the people that know the law inside and out, know the Bible, know the signs, know everything about Christ. And they drag this poor woman out and their one thing is not to bring justice because if we were trying to bring justice, where's the man? Just one party? They bring her out. And as I was looking back over, the, over what we've been studying the last couple, three weeks on Unlocking Christmas and how many people missed the birth of Christ because they were caught up so much in the natural and not in the spiritual. 
And it's very easy as we go into 2020 that we can say, listen, it's just a little bit of weight loss. Is it really gonna matter? It's just a little bit more about reading the Bible, a little bit more prayer time, being spend a little bit more time in worship. Do I really have to talk that much sweeter? What we can do is we can look at these things that God wants to change in our lives in a very natural way and miss the entire thing. Because it's not about me only. If I build a strong individual and a holy individual, then I see that bleed into my family. I see that bleed into the congregation. I see now that we can touch whole communities, amen? amen. So it goes way past just me, just the challenge of I need to read 200 books or 50 books this year versus one or, or whatever, whatever it is. Every one of us have something in there that we say we wanna get better at. And we're gonna extract here in a second three things that I believe that this young lady that we get from the store that if we'll do and apply to our life, we can have a great 2020. And they pull this young lady out in front and they're humiliating her and she's no doubt already been through this once and it's, it's, it's really crazy to see their self-righteous spirit. They could care less who they step on and who they humiliate because it's all about a means to an end. And that's what a self-righteous spirit does. Now hear me on this, I say this with love. I've prayed through this with me too. Whenever I view what God's trying to challenge me with and increase me and build me with as if it's nothing and I don't need it, I have that self-righteous spirit within myself. Because God is trying to bring me, build me, push me somewhere. And many times, God is amazing and will use just the natural cycle of things to do that. It's a new year, new hope, amen? We can walk through that. And these men with this self-righteous spirit, and we know that because in a couple different places, he says, listen, your father's the devil. Then in another place, he looks at him, he says, whenever you guys convert somebody, they're two times the sons of hell that you are. So he, Jesus is not playing with these leaders at all. And then he begins to do the thing that strikes so many people. He begins to stoop down in the sand. They drag that young lady before him. And he stoops down beside her and begins to ride in the sand. And it's very interesting to see the different theories. Now listen, this is theories, not theology, okay? Theories, not theology, or thoughts. Some of the thoughts, one of the thoughts is that he began to write the Ten Commandments. One of the thoughts is that he began maybe to write the sins of the people, the sins of these self-righteous people in the sand. And that's the reason why they begin to back off and drop the rocks. There's one theory that states that Jew, under Jewish tradition, whenever somebody was, was, was caught in the act of something like this, they would come into part of the temple and they would begin to write the name of the persons who committed the sin and the law that they broke which is a very interesting point if you think about it because first these men drag her out, they have rocks in their hand, Jesus begins to stoop and write the first time and imagine if they were familiar with this tradition whenever he begins to write the law that they broke. Then he stands back up and he says, you without sin cast the first stone, then begins to stoop back down and write her name in the sand. What do you think, that, what do you think is coming next? Maybe they're thinking, my name's about to appear on the sand. And this is the thing about these self-righteous people. If they did not do what she did, they did something similar probably. All have sinned and fallen short. But because of that spirit that was on them, 
they were humiliating this lady. Very interesting thing too, and this is the final one. As he begins to ride in the sand, could it be a throwback? Because the first thing they do, they're trying to stump him and they say, hey, the law of Moses says. And the, what that puts him in at a very difficult predicament for a normal person, because if he says, yes, that's what the law states, the girl dies. If he says no, then he goes against the law of Moses. So he's in a situation where he has to think. And God, many times this next year, as we begin to process things, will make us think. Find a place to be silent and think it out. And in this situation, he, he, he bends down and he begins to, I lost my place, I'm not gonna lie. Okay, let me find my place. I was gonna try to trail back, didn't work. So let me find it, okay? Okay, let me find it, let me find it. Okay. Throwback, yes, thank you, thank you, okay? Just not gonna lie, not gonna fool you guys, okay? I didn't anyways, but I thought I could, okay? Throwback, okay? Could it have been whenever he bent down in the sand and began to, began to run his finger in the dirt, he threw it back at them and said, oh, you wanna go back to Moses? Let me go back to a time, the last time God stooped down from heaven and began to play in the dirt. You weren't even here. It was the time when I was here before the foundations of the world. I was the spoken word of God. You wanna go back to Moses? Let me go back a little bit further. You got tricks? I've got some tricks too. Let's go a little bit further back. I wonder what they thought about that. And part of that stooping obviously was beginning to let them think. They throw the stones down or drop them oldest to youngest. And then, of course, he looks at them and says, hey, where are your accusers at? Interesting that he used the word in the King James, accusers, because in Revelations 12 and 10, what does it say? It says, we have an accuser that stands before God night and day. And he just got through telling these dudes that your father's the devil. <laughs> See, that's the reason why he hates that kind of spirit, because it's too much of a characteristic like the devil. And here he is. He says this one thing, he says, go and sin no more. As we process who we're gonna be in 2020, so to speak, the new, the, the, the new frontier that we want, the new challenges, these things that God is putting in our life, what he's asking us to conquer and be a part of. If it doesn't extend you, if you don't say, I don't know if I can do that, I don't know if your goal is big enough. Here, this woman, he's looking at her and he says, listen, he says, go and sin no more. He told her a very impossible thing. But we know scripture that says what's impossible with men is possible with God. What was he doing to this woman? He was saying, listen, I'm your God, you're not. If he would have gave her a direction that she could have completed within herself, she would have became her God. She wouldn't have needed Jesus. That's the reason why he gave her the directive. So as we pray, as we seek, as we ask God, don't be surprised when you say, uh, I don't know if I can do that. Exactly, I don't know if you can. I know you need me. It goes much deeper than just an individual. The woman in this scenario, as horrific as it is, and as humiliating as it is, it is a wonderful picture of salvation. When I turned my heart over to Christ and got saved, I was caught in sin. And I had an accuser of the devil and he drugged me before the Lord. Yeah. Humiliated, defeated. But I have a God who's willing to say, I want to get involved. 
And see, that's what we need. I, I need a Jesus who's willing to stoop. I need a Jesus who's willing to stoop and get down and get involved in my marriage. Who's, who's willing to get involved in the way that I raise my daughter, the way that we go after youth in schools. I want a God who's not so big that he can't be involved in that. And here this story is a beautiful picture of that. Humiliated woman that had probably already suffered punishment once. Yet again, says, I am not too big. And think about that beautiful woman there. Up to this point, she'd probably only experienced the God through man, through a priest, or through the law. And this is the first time she's getting to experience a stooping Jesus. The personification of grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. Or as we've heard it said, cool whip upon cool whip upon cool whip. Amen. Had to be, get the podcast. It was good. Get the podcast. Get the podcast. That'll make sense if you read the podcast or if you watch the podcast or listen to it. Listen to it. You can't read it. You got to listen to it. The first thing that I see as I look in this story is this. There is a woman here. And the, the thing that Christ was trying to say is, listen, be present in the presence of God. How do you get in the presence of God? Is it through worship, through getting your iPod or your phone, putting in earbuds, uh, listening to music? What, what's the way that you get into, get into the presence of God? Is it prayer? Maybe you go into a place and you get down on your knees and you're like, I just have to have a moment of prayer here. I have to go back after God. Is it solitude? Sometimes I found that I just need to be alone, amen? I need to get away from everything and just sit and be quiet and say, God, what are you speaking to me? And then shut up and let him speak. Sometimes I'm hawking stuff at heaven so much. Why are you not speaking? Because I'm doing all the talking. So sometimes it's solitude and silence. Other times it's meditation. Getting these stories in the Bible and saying, let me be a part of who they are. As I was reading the story of this young lady, I wanted to be there with her. Was I, would I be in the crowd, which I'd probably be one of the crowds saying stoner. And then as God began to talk to me, he said, no, you're the woman, Matt. I saved you. But I had to be there. I had to meditate. Is it a mixture of all that? You read and worship and, and pray and just sit in solitude. Maybe it's all that. But whatever it is, whenever you're in the presence of God, be very present. Don't rabbit trail. Don't think about other things. Say, God, what are you trying to speak to me? Because listen, this woman, this is a very tough statement, but I love you. Please, please, I love you. The, the woman was humiliated but it was still ultimately her choice to commit adultery. 400 years of silence has happened up to this point. Uh, probably maybe 406 months, I guess, okay? Up to this point. And in the scripture, we see Elizabeth and Zechariah, the, the mother and the father of John the Baptist, and the Bible said, and they were righteous before God, a man and a woman. We see Simeon, another man that said that he was just and devout. Simeon's the guy that held up Jesus and was like, I can die now because I've seen God. But yet he found a way to be holy. And then there's a prophetess named Anna, and it said this, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting with prayer night and day. We have to make a choice to pursue the presence. We have to make that choice to pursue the presence. But this is the good news. Whenever we don't make the choice and we're drugged into the presence of God by our accuser, because think about this, 
the the self-righteous behavior of these accusers, where did they drag the woman to? To the feet of Jesus. If there's anywhere I wanna be, where I wanna be? I wanna be at the feet of Jesus. So whenever the accuser accuses you, or sometimes we accuse ourselves, you're never gonna lose weight, you'll never dot, dot, dot. Oh, you think you're gonna do that? You'll never dot, dot, dot. And what we do is we accuse ourselves. but what we realize is that whenever we're accusing ourselves, whenever we're accused, it actually ushers us into the presence of God. So if you're a drug in there, know that this is the place you wanna be. How do we know? Romans eight and one, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if I'm in Christ Jesus at the feet of him and people accuse me or the accuser accuses me and brings me down, condemnation cannot stay because there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Matter of fact, John 3, 16, it says, he did not come to condemn the world, but through him it might be saved. So this woman began to experience that. So whenever we get into the presence of God, listen, the reason why it's so important is because condemnation cannot stay. Our deliverer is there, our, freed, our person who gives us freedom is there, amen? You guys with me? You guys still with me? Okay, I'm, I'm gonna fly now, okay? Hang with me, okay? The Bible in James three talks about how the tongue is the rudder. And, and, and what it talks about is the propeller is beh- located behind the ship and the rudders uh, behind the, the propeller and it's underwater and you can't see it. And what it's saying is our tongue has so much to do with how successful we're gonna be. And as I was reading that in James three, and I won't stop to read it all, but as, as I was reading that in James three, I was thinking, listen, if my tongue is the rudder, then my decisions are the wind that fills the sail. And whenever my decisions will line up with my tongue, then I can go where God is gonna take me. But if I am making good decisions of prayer and fasting and seeking God and asking him what changes I need to make than trying to do it, but I say to myself, I can't do it, I'll never be anything. See how we're working against each other? Or if I say, oh, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, but I never go into the room and pray, my decisions are not lining up with my words. So whenever I do that, now all of a sudden, I'm setting the course that I need to be on, amen? And I'm practicing that presence, so to speak, as Brother Lawrence would say. I'm practicing that presence. And our tongue is so important what we say. Wednesday night, oh, about six months ago, I bought a cow tongue. And I put saran wrap over the end of it. And I was talking to my kids about how we look in the spiritual life whenever we have a loose tongue. And I took that cow tongue and I stuck it in my mouth. Man, it was slopping blood everywhere, man. <laughs> I was going up to them and they're like, ah! I said, exactly. Whenever you have a loose tongue, nobody wants to be around you. <laughs> and that's what you look like. Well, that's how we can talk about ourselves. That's the reason why we're in the presence of God. Listen, no condemnation. Now, listen, conviction, we have to have conviction and repentance. Acknowledgement and acceptance is not enough. Those are the counterfeit. We live in a generation where I acknowledge it and I accept it. But listen, that is not being convicted in repentance. We have to go after, when I go in there, God, as you show me things, let me be convicted so that my life can change, amen? To understand the, okay, the next one is accept the power of process. Accept the power of process. Here Jesus was asked a question, Then he stooped down. They continued putting pressure on him. He stood back up to make a statement, not because of the pressure, but because it was time. He stood back down. 
And here this young lady finds her first big break, so to speak. Here, listen, as we get in and we ask God what direction we're going to go, that is the beginning of the journey. Whenever he looked at the woman and he said, where are your accusers? That was the beginning of the journey of freedom. Now the trip begins. Go and sin no more. God, you want me to read more of your word? Now let me go do it. And understand that there's a process behind it. If you want to have a two-hour devotional life every day, probably not going to happen on January 1st. It might happen one day. (laughs) Amen? Go on now. Athlete spends years and years and years. I've been preaching 10 years. I'm not going to preach like Pastor Mike has been preaching for 40. It's just not going to happen. Do I want to? Do I desire to? Yeah. But the reality is there's a process. There's a grind that you have to go through. And Christ has shown us through this story. As he stoops down, he looks up. And the woman is fully engaged in that moment. First of all, she doesn't have a choice, I understand. But she chooses not to say anything until she's spoken to. And she lets the process flesh itself out. Last year, this time in January, I got on a bicycle. I love to cycle. Got on a bicycle. I hadn't been on it in a couple years, maybe. And I I just, I just, I'm just gonna jump back on it like I'd always ridden it. I used to ride the I used to ride the hydrator and the Hotter and Hell Hundred down and rode 65 miles. Well, if I haven't ridden a bike in two years, you know the worst thing I can do? is get on the bike and act like I've been riding a bike for two years. Yeah, so in about a month, dude, my health was like rocked. Like I'm just now getting back on the bicycle. I think this summer sometime, I've like for little 10 minute spurts because some stuff didn't work out, okay? Yeah, because I did not, listen, I did not respect the process. I did not realize the power that was in the process to build me up to where I wanna be because God does not want these changes and the challenges to be like the water that washes up on the sand and washes it away like it's never there. He wants them to stay and be a part of who we are. He actually wants them to be life changes, not decisions only, amen? Number three, the thing that I notice is that he turns the rocks into building blocks. The rocks that the men were going to stone the young lady with, he turns those into building blocks. God wants to turn the stones that you've been throwing at yourself and that people have been throwing at you into building blocks. He wants to realize that we can. Through him, we are good enough. Through him and his righteousness, we can accomplish things that we didn't think we could. And he wants us to look past the natural and look into the physical or excuse me, past the natural and look into the spiritual. For us, it's 15 minutes a week more. Does that really matter in the big scheme of things a week? It depends on if somebody else is looking at you like we look at this young woman and somebody begins the whole devotion life because of your example. It matters to them. Does 15 minutes of prayer more a week really matter? It depends on if we're praying for our neighbor and they get saved and their life is completely changed. God speaks to you in prayer to begin to pray a certain way for somebody, and then you begin to see that happen in their life. That 15 minutes completely changed everything. Those rocks. Oh, I'll never be able to add 15 minutes. I'll never be able to do this. No, turn those rocks into building blocks for the kingdom. Let it build us. 
Amen. Amen. The Living Bible, whenever it talks about grace upon grace, John 1 and 16, the Living Bible translates it like this, blessing upon blessing heaped upon us. And as we go into 2020, the things that Christ is asking us to do as individuals, the thing that Christ is asking us to do as a church, as families, God, help me to look spiritually that I look at it as John 1 and 16. It's blessing upon blessing heaped upon us, God. Because the direction that you're gonna point me will be the direction that I need to go, amen. Would you bow your heads with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.